Hey, this is Stephen Lee Olson, and I'm living the dream. I watched, uh, there was an awesome Joe Rogan uh, interview that he did yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was. I watched the same thing. Yeah, man, that was game-changing for me. I'm like, there's just so much information in that. That kind of clarified things. and um, it, Actually, it scared the fuck out of me, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody, all these myths about it being just another flu virus. Still or there, just, dude. I was wondering, actually, with all this crazy news about the coronavirus, has that affected you in any way, like with touring or just gathering with people to write music and things like that? Man, it's it's definitely put um, a little bit of fear in my mind. Uh, but, you know, there's in town, we're, we all shake hands, you know, and hug each other. When we see each other, we uh, we hang out with, you know, our best friends every day. And there's usually like, I mean, on any given week, we're writing with. 10 to 15 different people. Um, so for me, I can't help but especially after that uh, Joe Rogan um, podcast, I uh, it definitely made me, you know, a little bit more weary for sure. And uh, maybe just a little bit more alert. I know that some of the bigger publishing companies here in Nashville, like Warner Chapel and um, Sony, and I think a few others are, they're actually shutting their doors um, and they're telling people to work from home uh, just as a precaution. So, you know, stuff like that, I don't know, can't help but raise your blood pressure a little bit. Yeah, and especially with the music industry, like Coachella and Ultra and all these festivals are starting to cancel or postpone, and a lot of other bands are postponing their tour dates as well. So I just, like, from the inside the music industry, like, is there a lot of talk about it and, like, a lot of worry about having to cancel events? Yeah, did I, I think I just saw Pearl Jam canceled their whole tour yeah. as well. And uh, I mean, it's hard not to it's hard not to notice that, you know, for me, um, you know, we have a lot of festival dates this year, um, a lot of them up in Canada. Um, and they're a little bit further, you know, down, down the pipeline. Uh, I think the first one might be in May. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just around the corner. Um, but I do know that this is, you know, it's just beginning as well. So, um, it's supposed to be another, at least three to four months before it even dies down from what I understand. So, um, I'm going to keep a close eye on it, man. And, uh, the truth is like, you know, it's like, you can only do what you can do. And, uh, you know, we have to make sacrifices in your case, it's your Iceland trip. And uh, for me, if I'm like, if I got to sit out for some shows, you know, life could be worse and uh, we'll find a way to make it up to them. Yeah, absolutely. Won't dwell on that too much. Um, but you mentioned some festivals that you're playing this summer. And I, I noticed you're playing Cavendish. Is that is that still happening? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to play Cavendish, man. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, a lot of homies and friends uh, in the industry are going to be out there that way as well. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a trek for me, uh, but I haven't been out that way in a while. So I'm really never played. To it. No, I actually I don't think I have. Um, and if I have, it was 
it was too long to remember. Um, right. So it's it feels like it's going to be the first time anyways, and uh, maybe the first time with uh, with a bunch of hits under my belt this time around. So it should nice. be a completely different show, and uh, it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait. Nice. Yeah, we were we covered Cavendish last year, and it was a lot of fun. It's an amazing festival. Yeah. So when you're coming to uh, Cavendish, you're t- you're going to be touring your new single. Is that the plan? Yeah. Yep. We should. Uh, we're going to have a brand new single out um, by that time. And uh, man, I'm hoping that I'm just hoping people know it. It's always fun uh, with a new single. You know, it's uh, you obviously play it before everybody knows it and before it's on the radio. So um, the first couple times playing it, it's kind of hard to get a read on, you know, whether it's going to work or not. But um, after a couple weeks or months on the charts, um, it, it wouldn't you know, it just makes the world of a difference. And uh, I'm really excited to feel that energy from this particular song to uh, the way we wrote it. We wrote it for the live show, um, and uh, I'm hoping that it translates. I have a feeling it will. So is that the Talking About Last Night that you're talking about? No. Talking About Last Night is uh, was the first of four that we that we released. Um, and the, the, the very last song that we release, um, which should be next at the end of next week, um, is, uh, is going to be the single. So that's so, Can't Not? Yep, that's the one. Nice. What can you tell us about that song? Yeah, man, that song started um, just like any other song starts, basically, man. We were I was in the room with my producer. Uh, his name is Brandon Day, and it was just the two of us this day. Um, and uh, I had a groove in my mind, so I, I jumped up to the kit, and, uh, and I started playing this drum beat that was in my mind. And we built it off that, uh, and Brandon, you know, he saw how enthusiastic I was. When I got onto the kit that he was like, man, he just handed me a guitar afterwards. He just kind of kept handing me stuff. So we <laughs> built it that way, which, and it was super fun way to do it. It doesn't always go like that. You know, Brandon is such uh, an instrumentalist. He, he plays everything and he's incredible. So it's rare that, you know, that I get to take that seat. But uh, for whatever reason, this day I was just, um, I had a vision in my mind and he could see that and he let me run with it. Um, we actually didn't even have the title. Uh, when this all started, we just I just had a feeling, a groove, um, and uh, the title came a little bit later. Um, and it was just a super fun song to write, man. It's uh, it's basically the song. It's called Can't Not, and it's about all the things I can't not do. Um, and I'm sure we all have a version of that. And for me, uh, it's partying and having a good time. Or if it's, uh, you know, if it is a little bit rainy outside, man, I, I can't help but try and find a feel with my truck. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always work out, but sometimes there's enough folks around here in Nashville and uh, friends with, with backfields. Ain't no shortage <laughs> of those. Ain't no shortage of those, luckily, or people that want to get their truck dirty. So um, <laughs> so it's it's a good time, man. That's, so, you know, to, to wrap it up, we basically wrote the song about that. And uh, and we we tested it, you know, with um, with some, just some of our favorite program directors in uh you know in country music uh all four of them really the four songs together and that was one of the ones that rose to the top and um i'm so happy it did because it's definitely one of my favorite songs too yeah when i get a fresh rain and that back feels just right i hear them mutters calling begging for four-wheel drive yeah when i just get paid my back paw gets on fire damn right i'll burn right through it like i do Every Friday night, no matter how hard I try. 
her wild hair and wants to get in some trouble. Now she don't dance around it. Her hurry hints ain't subtle. Hell, I'd be out of my mind to not jet over there fast if there's a chance to hold her. Yeah, good luck holding me back. I can't not. I don't know how to pass it up. I can't stop. Yeah, it's automatic. I just can't let a good time wait. I'm coming in. So is there plans for a, a full-length album coming up? Man, I think, I'm not too sure what the the, the landscape of that looks like for me. Um, I think personally, I, I kind of like releasing more music than, um, than maybe just a record a year. I'm like, I, I write so much. I write every single day. So you can imagine I have hundreds of songs that are, you know, basically done. Um, I'd love to put out more music than that. I think my I think my program is going to be just you know just give four, give another four, give another four, give another four, um, yeah. as many times as I can, you know, um, and as many times as it makes sense as well. Uh, if they if they want to hear it, I'm going to give it to them. Yeah, that's the current landscape of music. Anyway, is just try to yeah. keep the re- keep the releases coming and keep everybody keep their attention. Yeah, keep them. Yeah, keep them engaged, and uh, you know, I'm trying to make sure that the uh, that the uh, the quality is um, stays at a high level while still trying to you know pump out a lot of songs. Uh, but it's it's fun. It truly is my passion, and I love doing it. So it really doesn't feel like work. And uh, I I honestly, it's funny. I've been sitting on all of these songs for some, some like talking about last night, for example. I've been sitting on that song for almost three years and it's been one of my favorite songs. And I have so many of those that people haven't heard that I just, I just need to get out there. You know, I almost yeah. feel selfish. Like I'm just hogging all these to myself. <laughs> <laughs> do you play a lot of them live still, or do you, are they just kind of hidden in the closet right now? Well, you know, that's the thing, you know, for live stuff, I try and play songs that people will know. So, you know, there's not really a home in my set uh, for these yet, but, this um you know this summer with all of these festivals and with us releasing them that's part of the thing i'm most excited about is actually playing these these you know this new music um having four new songs to play uh to everybody you know and uh, we like i said we built these four songs um for the live set you know each one has its place uh, in in my show and uh, we try and do each one justice yeah. So now that you're in Nashville, are you working with a lot of people like writing songs and stuff? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've, I've lived here uh, going on 16 years now. I moved here from Toronto, uh, basically right out of high school. All my friends went to college and I came here to Nashville and, you know, I wanted to learn how to write songs. So, um, yeah, I've been writing every single day uh, here in Nashville for almost 16 years. So, like I said, you can imagine um, if I'm writing five days a week, you know, sometimes with uh, three people, including myself, um, you can see how that adds up, you know, um, yeah. by the end of the week, I'm, I'm writing a lot of songs, 15 people a, a week. And, um, luckily I'm, I've been here long enough that I can call them all friends. So it really doesn't feel like work. We all respect each other and everybody here is so damn talented. It's, uh, it truly is a gifted, uh, a, a gifted place to live. Yeah. I'd read that you, you've written with people like Keith Urban and like, what, what's it like in the, writing room with guys like that man you know Keith was um he was a, a special circumstance you know because normally it's so funny normally I can keep my shit together and like you know I've, I've been in the industry I've been in the industry long enough that I'm like you know the the famous thing it doesn't really phase me at all I mean um, a lot of my friends are huge superstars to me they're just homies um but but him I moved to Nashville 16 years ago um, and he was just like one of my biggest inspirations, you know, he, uh, he kind of came onto the scene doing something completely different and, uh, kind of gave guys like me, um, a chance to, uh, to explore where I could possibly fit in the format. Um, so I just held him on such a, on, I don't know, a, a pedestal and I still do. So when I wrote with him, um, after he recorded Blue Angel Color, uh, we, we started talking and he had me over to the house and uh, we started hanging out and um, and we I got a day on the books with him. And man, it was nerve wracking, you know, like sitting in front, <laughs> sitting in the room with one of your heroes. It's, uh, you know, you always you always want to think that you're uh, you have your cool and that you're collected and that you're just going to be your badass self. Well, it was uh, <laughs> it was it was a learning curve. And uh, I hope he doesn't think that I suck because of it. Nah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nah, we're still, man, we're still, we're still tight. Um, I actually think that I have one on the, on his next record coming up, which I'm really excited about. He's, uh, he's been working on it for a long time. And, uh, so I know he cares about it and, uh, he is that guy for sure. He definitely, uh, gears towards the details, the small, the small things, you know, in the recording process that, you know, some people might just dismiss he's so on top of it and he micromanages in such a good way um that he, it, it's just I'm, I'm such a fan and uh that one was uh that one was a fun write um we got to hang out more than uh than write unfortunately he took me around actually to uh, all the places that when he first moved to nashville he, the first place he lived um you know some of his favorite restaurants and it was awesome man it was it was it was one of the best days ever um, yeah, another awesome. one, another one that was kind of intimidating was Garth Brooks. Uh, oh, yeah. He, you know, he's I've, I've never up until the point that I did, I'd never met him in person. And uh, he, he recorded one of the songs that I wrote and uh, and asked me to come and sing uh, background vocals on his record for it. And, you know, Garth Brooks is Garth Brooks. I mean, I grew up on Garth Brooks. It doesn't get any bigger. There's no one that's done it any better than him. Um, so I, man, I shit my pants. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I remember, dude, I was, I was like, I don't know, must've been midnight. 
Um, and I got an email from his producer saying, hey, Steven, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow. Garth's going to be in the studio. Would you come by? And uh, he wants you to sing background vocals on a song that uh, he recorded called Cold Like That. So I obviously cleared my schedule for the next day. And um, and I brought one of my best buddies, uh, Clint Lagerberg, who I wrote Blue Ain't Your Color with, uh, with me, just so people would believe me that I <laughs> hung out with Garth Brooks for a minute. And uh, I remember showing up to the, to the studio, um, and it was a big wooden door, and I knocked on the door, and sure enough, Garth Brooks opens it with a, with a Louisville slugger in his hand. He's got, um, <laughs> he's got a Garth Brooks um, hoodie on, so rocking his own merch, and he's a big dude. I didn't realize, like, he's like 6'1", six 6'2", six like, I don't know, or he felt that way to me anyways. He was, <laughs> he was, he was just a big dude, and man, he sat down, you know, he pulled us into the studio and before we even got to work at all, you know, he sat down with me and we chatted for an hour. And I think I made some stupid joke because he was giving me <laughs> such great advice. And I was like, man, I was like, Garth, you should write fortune cookies for people. And then I said, you should write fortune 500 cookies for people because he's so loaded. And I don't think he <laughs> thought that was very funny at all. And I remember just sitting there going, shit, I think he hates me. <laughs> um, no, nah, but man, it was good. He's, he's the sweetest guy in the world. And man, scenarios like that, you know, the first couple years of uh, living in Nashville, you know, I couldn't really get my nerves together, but I've just been, I feel like I've been doing it for so long, you know, going on, like I said, 16 years that a lot of these people are now just my homies and it feels just second nature, you know? Yeah, for sure. Is, uh, is Garth Brooks as crazy as people say he is? Man, Garth Brooks is brilliant. He's uh, he's a genius, and I think you have to be a little bit crazy to be a genius. You know, I'm I'm sure people I'm I'm sure uh, there's a, there's enough people that think I'm crazy, and it's probably <laughs> just because I'm crazy, not because of the genius part. But um, <laughs> man, he's uh, he he I don't know he he has his thing, man. He, he's got it figured out, um, and it's it's amazing to me because you know he. He became a superstar in a completely different generation. Like he had to do it in a completely different way. And, uh, you know, now that he's doing it again and back and is still able to not only compete, but win entertainer of the year and all these things, you know, in this new generation, having to use, you know, some of these new tools and stuff. I just think it's it's badass, man. He truly loves it. And uh, you can tell that he's got the passion. Yeah, definitely. There's a fine line between genius and insanity. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we all walk it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what gar what song did you sing backup vocals with him for? Yeah, it was the one that I, I wrote. It's called uh, "Cold Like That," and uh, man, it was. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, dude, it was. It was a really great day, and that, again, a song that was sitting probably on a shelf for two years, um, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, we like I said, we write songs every day. So some of these songs, you know, we'll never see the day of or never see the light of day. Mm. And um, this one was, man, like I said, it was waiting for two years and somebody pitched it to his producer. And uh, it's funny because I, I sang the demo on uh, on that song. And I remember singing. I remember pulling out my Garth voice a little bit during one part. And uh <laughs> Now that I go back and listen to the demo, it, it 100% is a Garth Brooks song. And at the time, <laughs> at the time, we didn't know it. We were just writing a song. But, 
Um, somebody heard through it, and uh, that's all it takes here in Nashville. You know, one one song to somebody could be massive and just the best song they've ever heard. And to someone else, they're like, eh, pass. Yeah. So so it's all subjective, you know, and you just you hope you get lucky once in a while. And thank God I have. Yeah. Is it ever a case of like one man's treasure is another man's garbage kind of thing or whatever? Ab- yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to put it. You know, it's it's you know, a song resonates with different people for different reasons. And, uh, you know, um, I do a keynote actually on creativity and it's um, and it's really funny, you know. It's we're, we are the only business that I can think of, or at least one of them. Um, you know, as songwriters, we cater not only to B two B marketing, which is business to business, but also like B two C, which is business to consumer. Because you know, as as a songwriter, um, I'm trying to get the song to be recorded by, let's say, Keith Urban, right? So Keith Urban is my business to business, but ultimately, I'm trying to get the song to be heard by the consumer which is the fans so it has to go through jump through a couple of hoops um and it has to be successful at each one of those hoops um if it doesn't then it just you know you can see how it can fall flat and it's just one of the interesting parallels you know um between what we do uh songwriters and and uh, any other marketing company in the world yeah is it ever tough to let a song go like do you ever get attached to a song when you're writing for somebody else all the time. So the truth is, I'm like, I, I really don't try and write for anybody else unless I'm, you know, with another artist in the room. Like, you know, I have a couple songs on the new Russell Dickerson record and, you know, I wrote those songs with him. So when I write with Russell, I'm just trying to I'm trying to make Russell fall in love with the song mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, make sure that it checks all of his boxes, um, which those scenarios are a lot easier but when there's no when there's no you know major artist in the room and it's just me uh, with my producer or whoever i'm usually just trying to write songs for myself and uh sometimes you know people love those songs and it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse um uh, mm. because i do fall in love with these songs and um a lot of these i'm going to keep for myself uh but you know i for my thing i've always took pride in trying to you know juggle both the writing side and the artist side um and i don't plan on letting either one of those things suffer so i know that i know that i write four to five songs a week and uh if you know i know that i'm going to fall in love with another one so every once in a while i'll I'll keep one or keep two for myself but for the most part if a major artist wants one of my songs um and they're interested in singling in it singling it which is the only way that us writers really make money um, I, it's, it's hard to say no to that, you know, it yeah. helps everything It help. And I love playing songs by other artists that have cut mine, my songs in my set. You know, when I play blue inch color at these festivals, I think a lot of people connect the dots. They go, yeah. Oh, you know, and that's, that's a really cool moment. I love that, you know, and, or when I play details for Billy Currington or more girls like you for Kip or whatever, it's people connect the dots and, uh, I feel like I gain fans, which is, uh, it's an interesting, it's a different dynamic than just getting like uh, a regular fan just by your music, but you almost get their respect as well, which is, you know, I love that. Yeah, it's unlike any genre, really, like country music, because people are writing for each other, they're writing in groups, and then you can go to these festivals and see the songwriter circle, and 
these people are playing songs that they wrote for huge artists like Keith Urban, like you said. And it's yeah. it's interesting to it's interesting to connect the dots and to see different versions of those songs throughout the years. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. It's you know it's it's super fun, man. I I, I like I said I I I definitely don't take this for granted. I feel lucky every day. It has its challenges, like you know every other industry. But um, I I'm truly passionate about what I do. I love what I do, and um, I all I'm trying to do is protect the passion, man. <laughs> if you let yeah. uh, if you let outside things or circumstance or other people um, mess with your passion, uh, that's I think that's where you, you got to draw the line and and protect it. And that's how I've been able to do this for so long um, and love it as much as I do. Is I uh, I truly respect the the passion that I've been given. That is the gift. Um, is the passion for what I do. I feel like if you have passion for whatever you're gonna do, um, you're gonna succeed at it, and maybe more so than some people because passion's gonna keep you going when you get knocked down, when you get nose, when you get doors slammed in your face where most people would give up. The passion is what, you know, gets you back up and, uh, and drives you. And that's, it's, um, I think it's a secret to success, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I had a few fan questions and I'll just, I want to just get to one or two quick ones before I let you go. Sounds good. One of the ones I really liked and it kind of piggybacks onto what we were just talked about what's your favorite song that you've written for someone else? Um, that's a really, really good question. Um, see if I was basing it on success, it'd be really easy to say blue ain't your color. Um, right. I love that. I love that song. I love everything about it. I love how, uh, I love how it was born. Um, the idea literally came to me out of a dead sleep. I was sleeping on my couch with my dog at my feet and sound asleep. I woke up for no reason at all for no more than 10 seconds and when i woke up the title was in my mind and i wrote it down and went back to bed that's how that happened it was a total gift and um so for that reason it's such a great story and it's like you know I, I, every time i tell it it almost takes me back to that to that minute where you know the the inspiration flooded my mind but uh i personally and it could be just because it's new uh, but I love this new Billy Currington song, Details. Um, it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. I just feel like it's it's such a great picture. There's so many great pictures, and it's delivered in in such a way that is so me. Um, that one was really mm. hard to let go. That one was the hardest one I think I've ever had to let go um, because it was such I, – I felt like it was so in the lane of what I do and what I bring to the table as an artist – um, but at the same time, you know, Billy Currington and I have become, you know, pretty close homies and we've written a ton now. And, uh, you know, he promised me it was going to be a single. He's like, man, I promise you it'll be a single if I can have this. And, uh, and he crushed it. He, he sings his ass off that guy. And, um, you know, a, a really great friendship has come from it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of easy to, to weigh out when you look at it like that. So, um, details is probably my favorite song that I've ever written and, uh, and also probably the hardest I've had to give away if that answers the question. It does. That's, that's an awesome story to end on. Um, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, good luck with your new single can't not and hope you enjoy Cavendish this summer. Awesome. Thank you for your time, brother. You take care. Thank you so much for doing this, man. All right, brother. Have a good one. Keep your hands washed. <laughs> I will take care, Chris. <laughs> you too. Cheers. Yeah.